Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. To solar panels work in winter. Solar energy output in Australia throughout winter is surprisingly high in some cities. You can learn more about better solar energy at B-Solar. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. Hello and welcome, Brett Phillips with you again for another week covering the world of tennis and the invitation is always there to join me. one 736 736 that is the number to call if you want to join in the tennis conversation. You can put anything you like on the tennis agenda. You call, we'll put you on around our guests to come tonight. The Tennis Direct text, that is available as well. 0433 uh, Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices. They've got free delivery on orders over $150. You can go to their website and shop to your heart's content tonight. Tennisdirect.com.au. Uh, use that promo code FIRSTSERVE10. You'll get the 10% discount and they will look after you. Your calls tonight, John Millman, Courtney Walsh and Tennis Victoria CEO Adam Cranmery to feature along with our competition winner of the Naomi Osaka Yonix bag that we've been running right across our social channels. We've been inundated uh, with uh, nominations. Well, I don't know about you out there, but a week and a bit after Emma Raducanu's stunning US Open triumph, I'm still shaking my head. It's a phenomenal story. A qualifier at 150 in the world at just 18, Chinese mother, Romanian father, winning a tennis major. 100 to 1. It's been a fairly quiet week for the teenagers since. You've got to be kidding. Before she even left New York, obligation after obligation, including a Met Gala appearance. How about some of the uh, folk that uh, get into that? And upon landing in the UK, plenty of commitments. Good morning, America. Chinese television, BBC Breakfast, taking in the Radakan Who story. So you win your first major three months into the WTA Tour. You get congratulated by the Queen. How are you going to top this? Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> insane to think. Um, it, it's incredible. I was so honoured and grateful to have received a note from Her Majesty. I mean, it meant everything to me, and I'll probably frame that letter and keep it in my room or something. <laughs> you know, we were talking about in the piece how you had to drop out of Wimbledon because you had these breathing difficulties. What did you take away from that experience? I took away that it was, for me, more of a physical issue. I think that to win a Grand Slam, you you need a lot of mental strength. So I think that the resilience part of it, you know, sort of speaks for itself that I needed to go through all of that to win a slam. But physically, I've still got a lot of work to do because I'm still very new to the game and I haven't had that time to really develop. But having played on tour for the last four or five weeks, I think naturally with each match and tournament I've played, um, I've just increased my endurance a little bit. What happened, Emma? You clearly are talented. They call you a phenom, but you're, you competed at a level that people have been on the tour for a long time, have was there a moment that something clicked that you said, oh, okay, I just figured this out because you didn't drop a set in the entire yeah. U.S. Open and you had to go through qualifying? I think just the sheer amount of matches that I'd played over the last four or five weeks with each one I was building in confidence and um, I think with each one it gave me more and more of a free swing to go for my shots and be more aggressive and then I was playing some 
extremely great opponents, um, Olympic champion, top 20. Um, and when you play those players, you definitely need to raise your game. And it's it's cool to play up because it's like almost natural selection. You know, if you don't, then you lose. So it, it was really fun to experience. And uh, yeah, I'm just super happy with the week. of. So what's been, I know the queen is sort of up at the top. What's been the most surprising uh, message you've gotten since the win? Honestly, I haven't even checked my messages yet. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've just been trying to enjoy the moment and with my team the night of the final we just had a really nice night you know we all spent the night just reflecting and um, yeah it was a really cool moment because it's been such a long trip for us and everything has gone so fast uh, we were taken care of every single day and before we know it three weeks had gone yeah we, we just got to reflect and share a few stories and it was a really nice night to have with everyone love spending time with my relatives and family I think that well we 然后我就跟谁都可以找到一个桌子，大家都回答。然后我就跟我我特别喜欢中国的公园玩的时候，他们在那里跳舞，看见大家都挺开心的。嗯，就是特别，我非常喜欢。Emma, <笑> very good morning to you. Good morning, thank you for having me on. Well, look, it's an absolute delight to speak to you. Can I just officially say it on behalf of uh, BBC Breakfast and all the people watching you this morning, a massive congratulations on your extraordinary achievement. Thank you very much. I, I have to ask this question, has it fully sunk in yet? Because I'm, I'm I think we're talking to you at home and I'm looking at all the cups behind you, which is a sort of marker about where you've been in the past. Has it sort of sunk in when you're around loved ones, just the scale of what's happened in such a short space of time? Yeah, I think it's gradually becoming and um, sinking in a bit more because last night I actually just rewatched the final and uh, tried to relive a couple of the moments and remember how it felt. Uh, so it is sinking in a little bit more, but it's still such a whirlwind of an experience. Um, I've loved every moment of it, but it, it is something that's very difficult to fully comprehend. Emma, I'm fascinated. Morning, by the way, it's Naga. I'm fascinated by the fact that you watched the final. So tell me, when you were watching it, even though you knew what happened, did you have butterflies in your stomach or were you kind of looking at it quite forensically or were you taking in the crowds? What were you feeling and thinking? Yeah, it's funny because when I was watching it, it almost feels like that's not me who's playing and uh, pulling off some of those shots. It feels like it's someone else. I, I knew what exactly what was going to happen, but still at some very tense moments and re-watching it, um, it, I was really proud of how I came through some tough moments. Uh, indeed, Emma Redekanu, US Open singles champion, something they can never take away from her. Beautifully fluent in Mandarin, as you heard. Uh, $2.5 million richer. She said, quote, I'll just leave that to my parents. From an 18-year-old in the women's game who was shot to stardom to another 18-year-old certainly making her mark, Denmark's Clara Towson. And it's wide. And another title to this 18-year-old. To everybody who came out and supported all the players, it's so nice to be back with the crowd. And you really helped me today. I was a little bit tired today, but I really felt your energy and it was so nice. I've heard a good history about this tournament and I hope to come back next year. Clara Towson begins our tour wrap tonight. Thanks to Yonex celebrating 75 years performance product crafted in Japan. You can check out their latest range at yonex.com. So we saw Clara, of course, take on Ash Barty.
at uh, the US Open in the uh, second round. Ash did win that in straight sets. She was certainly pushed in the second. 18 years of age, like Emma Raducanu, defeated the third seed Elena Ostapenko, a little prickly uh, Elena in that match, in her title defence, 6-4, So in the space of this year, she's gone from 152 in the world to world number 52, second best ranked 18-year-old. She's 127-35 win-loss overall since she left the juniors onto the uh, Pro Tour. And we know a couple of years ago, she won the Australian Open uh, junior title. So uh, she is certainly a star that is on the rise and going to be maybe not following in the footsteps of Emma Raducanu in the next six to 12 months, but one, I think, seems destined to be right up there at the top echelon of the sport. So seven years, the senior of Clara Towson, a 25-year-old Italian, had her finest moment on tour over the weekend. The Cinderella story is complete. Jasmine Paolini wins her first ever tour title, and what a way to do it. Downing four seeds along the way. That'll do very nicely indeed. Oh, indeed. Alessimo, Jasmine Paolini, the Italian 7662. Slovenia Open defeated Alison Risk, who's had a lot of injuries, of course, the American in the last 12 to 18 months. Her first WTA singles title came back from a double breakdown in the opening set. So she climbs 23 spots to 64 in the world. So Clara has won two at 18, and some have got to wait to 25 to win their first. Our guest, a little later on, John Millman, had to wait to 31 to win his first. So everyone uh, certainly does go on a a very uh, different journey. Well, there were no ATP tournaments uh, the week post the US Open, but at ATP Challenger level, James Duckworth led the Aussie charge, winning his uh, 12th title at that level, the Duck. Oh, the fans love the Duck. Uh, come the Australian Open, uh, 12th ATP uh, Challenger title. He's up to a career-high 65 in the world. He's had a, a really, really good year. He was the top seed, of course, in Istanbul at the Challenger there in a year where he's made the third round of Miami, third round Toronto at Masters 1000 level, and the third round of Wimbledon, and certainly should have made the second round of the US Open, uh, one that... He let slip it. A nice response from uh, James to win the challenger over the weekend. Alexander Vukic, uh, semi-final for him at the, of course, um, ATP Challenger in the US. Uh, gee, he just missed out on being in the final of that tournament that was won by the American, uh, Mitchell Kruger. I need to mention uh, Lee Tu. He's on the first serve watch list, no doubt. Lee Tu. 6-2, 6-1. He won in Tunisia, the 15K ITF tournament. So... If we just think in total, right, every match he's played across UTRs, the Murray River Open, he played the Australian Open, lost to Lopez in the first round. I think everyone knows the Lee 2 story. ITFs, he's 86 wins, 10 losses in the last two years. Hit the road midway through August, 20 out of 22 singles wins, 8-0 in doubles. He also won the doubles in Tunisia across the weekend. It's all in our socials. If you want to follow that through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, follow the first serve. And how about this? After winning the final yesterday, he had to then come out and play his first round qualifying match in singles for the next tournament that starts in Tunisia this week. He's played a lot of tennis. I suppose the fascination now is from UTRs to ITF, can he build this up to the challenges and then the pros? So we're following him. We're interested. It's an incredible story. The guy wins tennis matches. He's 86 and 10 the last two years, as I mentioned. And we want to see him step up to the next rung over the next period. But right now, he's doing some hard yards on the ITF circuit. Speaking of the ITF circuit, uh, Jeremy Beale, 
Uh, he stepped out of Tunisia. He'd been there for a couple of months, had some good success, certainly in doubles and singles as well. Stepped out to the 25K in South Africa in the last week and uh, made the final of that tournament where he finished uh, runner-up. So ITF this year, 35 and 13, one title, two runner-ups, uh, five semifinals, two quarterfinals. He's 38 and two in doubles and six titles. So Jeremy Beale, anyone I ask and mention the name Jeremy Beale says this guy's an extraordinary talent. He's still in the window, 26, to have a bit of success in his career, and he's doing some hard yards. And a shout-out for Tristan Schoolkate, a 20-year-old Western Australian, made an ITF title in France over the weekend. He won a 25K and got it done there. So well under Tristan, who, uh, a bit like uh, Dane Sweeney, Rinky Hinjikata, all around that 20-age mark, uh, putting in the yards to build a tennis career at the moment. So well done to uh, Tristan. Uh, a lot of Davis Cup tennis played across the weekend. 18 Davis Cup World Group 1 and World Group 2 ties uh, took place around the world. So the eight highest place winning nations of World Group 1 ties in 2021, Argentina, Belgium, Brazil, Finland, Japan, the Korean Republic, Netherlands and Slovakia automatically progressed to the 2022 Davis Cup. Uh, the four lowest-ranked uh, winning nations, Norway, Peru, Romania and Ukraine, will take part in the Davis Cup World Group 1 knockouts in November when, of course, the two winning teams from those ties progressing to the 2022 qualifiers and the best losing nations, the two best losing nations, contesting the 2022 World Cup uh, World Group 1 playoffs. So the 12 nations that lost in World Group 1 in 2021 will also contest the 2022 World Group 1 playoffs. I'm sure I haven't lost you amongst all of that, but uh, plenty happening uh, certainly in the Davis Cup. Uh, coming up this week, of course, the Astana Open in Kazakhstan. We're going to talk to John Millman very shortly. I can tell you in qualifying, Matthew Ebden has fallen short tonight, uh, losing in three. Mark Polmans has got through in two, six four six two. So he'll join uh, James Duckworth and John Millman in the main draw in Astana. Alex Dimonor and Alexi Poprin will play in Mets in France uh, this week. Uh, JP Smith, Luke Saville, uh, Matty Reid will play in the doubles. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on the Aussies, certainly at ATP level. Uh, Ohio's a lot of Australians playing the challenger there this week. Kubler, Vukic, Bolt, Purcell, and also uh, Kelly. Uh, Tom Fancutt, who's gone from the ITFs across to the challengers now to step up. He was an alternate into qualifying, went down last night, but he's still in the doubles uh, with uh, Jason uh, Kubler. So we're following Tom Fancutt as well. And Thanasi Kokonakis, another week on the tour. He's going to be in Bucharest, a year where he's just tried to play as much tennis as possible. So 20th tournament uh, this year. He's 27-18 and 18 win-loss. He's been really flying under the radar and just putting in a lot of hard work to get uh, some continuity in his tennis again after all the injuries that he's had. Of course, uh, had that Australian Open win, took Sitsi past to five earlier in the year. He's gone from 266 to 180 uh, in the ranking. So Thanasi is... Uh, building back uh, slowly. And, of course, the women uh, this week, the one two five in Columbus, Ohio, Cabrera and Inglis will play there. Priscilla Hahn is coming back from injury as well. Uh, she's had some real setbacks over the last 12 to 18 months, so got through qualifying as the top seed, so she'll be part of that draw. Astra Sharma missed out at the Ostrava Open in the Czech Republic. Uh, Sviontek, Kvitova, Bencic, Kerber, Sakari and Pavlyuchenkova will be the names in that draw, which is a pretty good field. So that is what is taking place in the world of tennis across the tours in the last week and what is to come this week. And you can learn more about Better Solar Energy, of course, at our very good friends at B-Solar. No more expensive electricity bills, trusted, guaranteed savings, free yearly checkups. 
Uh, talk with a B Solar advisor. Search for B Solar to learn more. The firstserve.com.au and across our social channels is where you can follow us right throughout the week, apart from our hour on the radio here every week. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, YouTube, where you can subscribe to our channel. And that is where you'll get your tennis fix daily. Our competition winner, Courtney Walsh, John Millman, next on the first serve. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B Solar advisor. Visit B.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve. Your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve. Brett Phillips tonight. Your show, your thoughts. one 736 736 And a special happy 40th birthday to one of our fine first serve listeners tonight, Duncan Sire, who might be listening in or he will hear this back if he's out celebrating uh, tonight. Not that we can overly celebrate birthdays at the moment uh, via our podcast. Uh, thank you for your great support, Duncan, of our show. So wishing you a very happy uh, 40th birthday. Well, for those of you that... Uh, follow us on social media. You'll have either entered or noticed our Yonex Naomi Osaka Pro Racket Bag retailing at $400 competition. Now, we were flooded with entry, so thank you very much for that. And for your favourite tennis moment of 2021, you needed to write in. And our winner, I can announce tonight, is Hannah Kostros from McKinnon right here in Victoria. Hannah, welcome to the first serve. Hi, thank you so much. How amazing. That's awesome. Congratulations. Well done. And you did write in, of course, about Dylan Alcott as uh, your favourite moment. Yes, absolutely. The Olympic quad singles gold medal match and his interview was just phenomenal. It's just what we needed in the middle of lockdown, I think. Uh, Very well said. He is... He's the ultimate performer on court and he's the the entertainer as well, isn't he? He's He's the perfect package in that regard. That's it. It was just such a raw and personal interview like he felt it felt like he was speaking directly to you um and he said his gold was for everybody and the funny thing is that I actually used to serve him at my first cafe job so I've always kept an eye on him which is pretty hard not to but yeah amazing ambassador and not to mention an amazing game as well excellent Hannah just in a a minute where, where where did your love of tennis come from I started playing um at the Moorabbin Indoor Tennis Centre when I was pretty little um, and it's just kind of come and gone. It's like riding a bike. You never kind of forget how to play tennis. Um, and I've just picked up a new racket, so this bag is going to be perfect for it. Oh, excellent. Well, hey, follow, thanks for following us on our social media channels and keep listening into our show. We've got a lot of prizes between now and uh, Christmas. Uh, hit them well, and, yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Looking forward to having a hit on Sunday, finally. Indeed, I know, a bit of freedom. Hannah Kostros, winner of, uh, of course, the Naomi Osaka bag. Stay tuned for our competitions to be launched uh, sometime this week. We've got some uh, Yonix rackets to give away. We've got a lot more product between now and Christmas. Well, in 2021, we've been lucky to have had the services of Linda Pierce, a 2015 recipient of the Ron Bookman Media Excellence Award, presented by the ATP to journalists who have made significant contributions to the game of tennis. No stranger to this show is the 2019 recipient of the same award, who is now, for the first time, penning some content for us here at thefirstserve.com.au. For the past 15 years, leading tennis writer for the Australian newspaper. Courtney Walsh, Walshy, great to have you back on the show. No, pleasure to be with you, uh, Brett, and uh, lots to look forward to. Indeed. Now, you have penned a great piece across the weekend. Uh, For those that haven't read it, travel difficulties, you can go to thefirstserve.com.au and 
have a read of that. You've spoken to a number of players without giving the full article away while she, I think it paints a real picture of um, what our players have been through, certainly the last couple of years, but also now uh, the conundrum of trying to get home uh, at the end of this year, which is not an easy task. No, look, I I think uh, it won't surprise any of your listeners in terms of just how difficult it is for uh, Australians trying to get home to see their families uh, and loved ones, given the cap on international arrivals due to the pandemic. And it's certainly no different for our players, uh, except for the fact that they're spread all over the world and they're they're travelling from stop to stop to stop and thinking, do I go and play the next tournament? Or if that seat pops up, no, I've got to jump on that. And then you look at the uh, exceptional costs of trying to get home uh, you know, we're talking between sixteen to twenty-five thousand for one-way flights for some players in the last week. Uh, we've had a couple get back in the last few days. Uh, Sam Stowe's of the U.S. Open doubles champion, who I spoke to for this piece. She uh, she's in hotel quarantine at the moment. Uh, Storm Sanders is also back after a tremendous uh, summer, particularly in the doubles court. She's uh, in quarantine. But you know, John Millman, for example, who's defending his title, uh, the Astana Open title uh, in Kazakhstan this week. He doesn't know when he's going to be able to get back. He said it's just so tricky at the moment. So it's it's a really it's going to be an interesting issue to watch. We know the Tennis Australia want to get players mm. into the into Melbourne for the Australian Open next summer and, and hopefully for some other events. Hopefully it's reasonably normal. Or that that does seem a stretch. But they've also got to get their own staff home from the Labor Cup and also yep. play Australian players back into the country. It's it's really a logistical challenge. Yeah, no doubt. Quite tricky. So have a read of that. It's a really good article uh, right now at thefirstserve.com.au. Travel uh, difficulties. Just before I leave that one, I mean, you did mention Sam, and here she is. Uh, what a back end she's had to this trip, winning Cincinnati, US Open. She comes home. She's really missed her young daughter, Evie, her partner, of course. Uh, she's been away for four months. She can't see them right now. She's in a hotel at the moment, quarantining, but uh, you, you really sense when you spoke to her while she just the emotion of, of winning the US Open at this age. I mean, 21, it must have seemed like a bit of a blur and it was, you know, it, it happened and you're thinking, oh, well, they're just going to roll off now. They're hard to win these titles, but this, this one meant something a little extra special. Well, we know it's 10 years, obviously, since she won the US Open singles title in such stunning fashion over Serena Williams uh, on the anniversary, the 10th anniversary of uh, the 9 11 tragedy in New York. 16 years after her first US Open doubles title, you know, she won the Australian Open doubles crown a couple of years ago, which meant a significant amount to her. But she said just simply the sacrifice of now being a mother, you know, having to leave her uh, her toddler daughter at home and her partner, knowing that it was going to be a four-month trip away, that added something extra to uh, to the triumph in New York. And, and didn't they play so well in that final? Uh you know, to win in Cincinnati, she she spoke about the fact that they you know they needed match tiebreakers in Cincinnati to to get through their first uh, I think three or four matches. By the time they reached the final, they felt like they were in pretty good form in Cincinnati, and they really carried that through into New York. So the great success of, uh, of you know of beating Coco Goff and Katie McNally, who are two exceptionally talented American teenagers in the final, yep. just a great way to finish a trip. If you could uh, finish off every trip so successfully and and make some pretty handy pocket money. No we all we love to be on the road. No doubt about it. I mean, she could play another couple of really good years. Still in uh, great shape, Sam. Just on our women, uh, let, let's just touch on Ash Barty. Our chat coming up with John Milman, we caught up with John early in the day. But just on Ash, I mean, her and her team, 
Uh, as we speak this week, while she working through the scenarios, I mean, certainly the strong hint from Craig Tizer at the back end of last week that the WTA finals look like it is shot for ash in terms of the relocation to Mexico. Now deciding, do I play Indian well? She wants to get home. Certainly there's a little bit of exhaustion there. She's a real family girl. How do you think this is going to play out with Ash as she tries to decide her last part of the year and and executing it? Look, I do think uh, clearly that uh, the end of season championships are a a bridge too far. I think what's been critical at the US Open was she was very, uh, you know, she had the match against Rogers. She was within range of winning, didn't quite close it out. Beaten, but was clearly exhausted uh, by when she got to New York after such a <laughs> heavy time away on the road, sort of six months almost on the road. Um, but Savalenka being beaten in the semi-final in New York, that all but confirmed Ash as the number one to finish off the season. It's, it's almost impossible for her to be dislodged now as the number one, and that would, yep. you know, I think that was a big factor in now considering. Well, is it worth going to Mexico? It, it probably doesn't seem worth it in the middle of. November when she's got to come back, potentially quarantined for two weeks uh, in a hotel. Although that may change given there's some trials underway at the moment, obviously in South Australia and in Sydney, we may see some easing there uh, in that regard. But it still compromises her preparation for the Australian Open, and that's clearly her number one priority now to try and win a, an Australian Open. So I find that very hard, and, and it does beg the question as to whether Indian Wells, which has been rescheduled to, to next month. Uh, is it worth hanging around and playing in Indian Wells? Mm. One thing she has got going for her, Brett, though, and I think it would be an amazing uh, trifecta if she was able to pull it off, to be able to win the Miami Open, yep. to be able to win in Cincinnati, the Western and Southern Open in, in Cincinnati, and then to win, if she was able to win in Indian Wells, it would be a tremendous hat-trick, you know, an astonishing achievement to win those three premier US hardcore events outside the US Open, and to be quite the uh, quite the year. But but look, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Ash home in the next couple mm. of weeks. We'll It'll learn be, more. Uh, yep. Yeah, we will learn more there. This week, uh, no doubt. Walshie, uh, thank you. Our chat coming out with John Millman after the break. So uh, that was an interesting chat earlier in the day. But you are on duty, of course, uh, doing some uh, media for the ATP New Sultan 250 this week. So we'll keep in touch and... We hope to have a few more of the international guests on the first serve across the next week, mate. We really appreciate your time. Pleasure. And just to, just to update you, Mark Polman's managed to win through and uh, qualify for the main drawing. Indeed. Uh, in Kazakhstan, so good to see. Indeed. We like when Mark Polman's uh, gets into the main draw of anything he's competing in. One of the great competitors, Courtney Walsh, uh, part of our team. Travel difficulties, read that at thefirstserve.com.au. You can go shopping at Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices. They've got free delivery on orders over $150. So shop tonight, tennisdirect.com.au. Use that promo code FIRSTSERVE10. You'll get the 10% discount and you can shop to your heart's content. John Millman next on The First Serve. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit B.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management. And glgcorp.com, the first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve. John Millman, as we've mentioned on the show, he's the defending champion at New Sultani Kazakhstan, the ATP 250 this week. Myself and Courtney Walsh caught up with John a little bit earlier today.
it's it's that familiar place and last year came as probably a bit of a surprise so it was a pretty long year and tumultuous year with the break with COVID and then coming back in in quite strict uh, quarantine bubbles but to get the win here last year was something that you know I'll remember for you know the rest of my life because it was a real highlight in my career so look it's uh, fantastic to be back it doesn't mean a whole lot because there's a lot of good players that can play tennis as you know at this level um, every match is a hard one just really nice to be back in familiar surroundings the hospitality here is fantastic I think for a 250 indoors they do an incredible job what did you do with the trophy how was it? Did you have to book a, a spare seat in the plane next to you, or how did you uh, how did you lug it around for a little while? I think it was in October, so you were edging towards the end of the year. It was a heavy trophy too. It's a really it's a real big one. It, it actually resembles one of the the landmarks here. So it was a, a very big trophy, nice and heavy. Would have cost me an absolute ton in excess baggage fees, but luckily enough that the tournament sent it home for me. Took a while to get back home, but when it did, uh, Archie, my little uh, my little nephew, he was the first one. I promised him that he could open it so he opened it and you know, took it to his school and, and showed all his little classmates there. So really special. It was, a, you know, a family affair. They were pretty proud of me back home. And, you know, it's, it's quite fitting because it takes a lot of people to to make that trophy a reality. And, and a lot of those people were back home cheering me on. John, uh, this has been a year like last year where it's, you know, it's tested the resilience of, of tennis players. And I know you've, you've already spoken to, to Walshy for a, a piece that we've done for the, the first serve around the year. And, and now the process of, trying to get home eventually whenever the, the year does come to a close. Resilience. I mean, we talk about it in sport all the time. I mean, you know, players have needed it probably more than ever through uh, the extra load that all you guys have had to carry through this COVID period. Yeah, unbelievably challenging. You know, I, I, I don't want to have a sob story, but I think for Australian and, and New Zealand tennis players in particular, I think that we've been um, severely handicapped throughout this, this year. Really difficult not being able to get home. Now, we don't get to go home a whole lot during a, a normal year but you know those one or two weeks that we get you know throughout the year really mentally and physically refreshes you so it has been really difficult especially from a from a mental level and and for me personally it's been a challenging year just with my body yeah I'm 32 and a half years old I'm, I'm not getting any younger and and I've felt it this year for me I, I want to be peaking and playing some of my best tennis at Grand Slam level uh, because you know you still get the goosebumps when you when you walk through the gates of Flushing Meadows or, or Wimbledon and and unfortunately this year my back kind of blew up two days before my French Open I, I suffered bone bruising in my foot which uh, doesn't sound like much but I can tell you it's, it's it's a fair bit at Olympics so it kind of made my preparations going into the the US Open really limited so look that's been disappointing for me I feel like when I have been fit I uh, have been uh, my tennis levels at a, at a good level but throughout this year it just hasn't quite happened for me in terms of where my body's been at and then you you complement that with how challenging it has been being away for so long I left in January because the state borders closed I don't know when I'll get back so look that that's that's difficult I'm still here I'm still swinging the racket and yeah, still fighting. And how's the body feeling going into this week, John? Uh, you know, the, I suppose the bone bruising, I think, uh, you know, and then mm. you, you, you sort of get through a couple of weeks and had a, had a reasonable performance, I think, in DC, was it? Or, uh, yeah. or a week later? And 
Yeah, Washington, I, I got through five matches there, three singles, two doubles, and then really saw there. But then when I got to Toronto, it, it just had gotten worse. And um, it, I was playing against Gael Monfi, and I really had to just be extremely aggressive. I didn't want to get into extended rallies, and anyone who watches me play knows that I want to bring a physical brand of tennis. So it's not really conducive to how I play. Right now, the bone bruising's, um, it's really started to settle. So that's really positive. Um, I've been playing lots of practice sets here. It's really important to, to have some tennis here because the conditions are a little different. You know, about 400 meters, it fl- it's flying a little bit more and it's a little more challenging just to get used to it. But look, I would say I'm still aware of it, but, you know, it's, it's up around 90% and starting to track towards 100. So I'm really happy with where it's at from where it has been. And uh, I'm, I'm actually, in terms of how I'm hitting the ball, I can't be hitting the ball much better, in my opinion. So it's one thing hitting the ball and then bringing that into your matches. You know, you want to be getting those matches and getting match tough. So look, I'm looking to to get matches here. I'm looking to to maybe start a bit of a run. That'd be fantastic. And, and really try to get a bit of momentum throughout the end of the year because I play my best tennis when I'm playing back-to-back weeks. No doubt. So from here, I mean, obviously Indian Wells still to come, this Davis Cup potentially as well. What what does what is the next sort of period look like? I mean, you've certainly been quoted as saying you obviously clearly would love to play Davis Cup again. That's late in the piece and then, you know, so close to the Australian uh, summer and trying to get home. So just trying to factor all this out and work at a bit of a schedule and I imagine it's not easy. And yeah, Indian Wells kind of being moved quite late has thrown a bit of a spanner in the works too because uh, at this time of year, I can tell you, you're not too keen to jump on a plane and fly halfway across the world. So, but look, after New Sultan, I'm planning to play Sofia where I played last year. Again, I like to play in places where I've played before because, you know, just the conditions don't come as a surprise to you. Yeah, I'll head across the globe and, and play Indian Wells and then come back for the rest of the European indoor swing. Like you said, I would love to have the opportunity to represent the country at Davis Cup. I'll leave that to to Leighton and the selectors to, to decide that, but I've let them know that I'll pick up balls for them if they want. So it, it is challenging because it is so late in the year and, and you do want to get home. But the one thing I'd gladly halt my my return to home would be for for a Davis Cup uh, run or just to be in and around that team. So fingers crossed for that. That'd be fantastic. After that, I'm actually unsure. I'm unsure when I'll fly home. Uh, that's really late in the piece then. And you start talking about two weeks hotel quarantine. I did that last year and I thought it took me a, a, you know, a good few weeks to really find my feet again and, and find my game again and getting that conditioning up because you know I'm, I'm at risk for injuries now if I'm sitting in a hotel room for two weeks and then be forced to, to not be able to build up slowly and gradually to, to really find my feet. So look, that's the challenge that lies ahead. I'll make that decision a little bit later. And sometimes that decision is taken away from me because getting a flight home isn't the, uh, the easiest feat right now. So look, it's an ever-changing thing, this COVID, and and I'm really hopeful that we can find, you know, a solution back home where we can maybe ease up the quarantine or maybe do a little bit of home quarantine. I've got the Johnson Johnson vaccine. I've got one Pfizer shot. I'm getting another Pfizer shot. So... (laughs) I'm nearly triple vaccinated, so fingers crossed that counts for something. How do the players look towards the Australian summer at the moment? Is it is it with concern or is it with some caution? What what, what are they considering? I think there's definitely some caution and and um, curiosity because look, let, let's be frank and let's be honest. I think last year that you know Tennis Australia did an incredible job to to host an event during a pandemic, but there it wasn't without its hiccups. And from the the public's point of view, they probably looked at tennis players and thought we were a bit precious. But from a tennis player's point 
of view and speaking from, you know, a player's council point of view where I represent the players, very challenging circumstances to come and play a Grand Slam in those conditions. Some of them having 14 days and then go out and play best of five set match, you know, only a few days later. This is their job and this is their bodies were put under duress, under strain. And, and so there is a bit of apprehension for sure. But look, Tennis Australia knows that. I know that they're taking the steps to, to make it a, a more seamless and easier transition for the players. As far as I'm aware, they've still got to tick a few more boxes and, and get a few more things over the line. I know there's continual talks that they're having with the government and yeah, they've, they've got to iron out just a few little issues before I think the, the players will feel comfortable. Sort of an, an expansion of that into a, a bigger picture comment from you, John, obviously sitting on the player council, the ATP strategic plan. We saw a statement put out by the chairman, Andrea Godenzi, yesterday. We know that originally it was a 92-page blueprint that was put out and lots been sort of dissected and worked through in the last 18 months. So being stated, the board has reached agreement on a new profit sharing formula, long-term prize money levels, expanding more ATP Masters 1000s to 12-day events, amongst many other things in that. And it's quite lengthy. But in layman's terms, for those listening into the show tonight, and you've got a voice in the game on the player council, do you see a positive direction that is taking place at the moment? And what are the major things that you can see under the Gordensi reign that are starting to perhaps take shape. Oh, definitely. Look, I think with the strategic plan and and again, there are a few more issues to iron out where the players and tournaments to come together to make this possible. You know, there is still a little ways to go and, and that's normal when the task is so great. But look, the strategic plan, I think Gaudenzi came in with a vision and, and, and that's a, a vision that we haven't seen in the game before you know we've had president ceos we've had them come and 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 go but no one actually came in with a vision with a strategic plan to improve the game of tennis and and look i think generally speaking i I think in in ideal world i think it really will be beneficial to tennis i think that it's the first time that we're going to see open books and and transparency between tournaments and and players it's the first time that we're actually going to have a profit share formula where if the tournaments are winning then so are the players because, you know, it's been talked about for a long time, especially in the top echelon of tennis at Grand Slam level and especially at Masters level also. The formula in terms of revenue and profit share has been a little skew if. The players have definitely felt for for a long time that perhaps they should be earning a little bit more to mirror what the tournaments are making. So look, I think it is quite an exciting time for tennis. And I think that if we can resolve the few little intricacies, it can be really positive for tennis. And I think the whole thing is, is we're going to see more of the premium product out there for tennis fans. We're going to see bigger Masters events with the best players playing more often. And the whole idea then is to be able to sell that to the broadcasters and and have more of the fans appreciating the premium product for longer. And let's hope after going through all the lower levels of of tennis, let's hope that that trickles down to, to the lower levels of the game because having played multiple times on that Futures Tour and, and the Challenger Tour and then finally getting up to the ATP level, I think it's really important to grow the game. In doing so, we have to have a premium product. And I think Gaudenzi's um, strategic plan is something that could really enhance our product. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit B.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis.
Well, we saw yesterday the Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews release Victoria's roadmap out of COVID, having endured six lockdowns through the 18-month pandemic, the most of any state in Australia where we are broadcasting from. What does it mean for the near 500,000 tennis participants, coaches and administrators? Tennis Victoria CEO Adam Carreri joins me tonight. Welcome, Adam, to the show. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me. Would love to have had you on for a lot longer. Live radio, it's come and go pretty quickly tonight, Adam. But what does it mean for, for tennis? Uh, certainly, my understanding is, so phase A, the 80% single dose, the indicative date being given is the 26th of September. So Victorians can get outside to catch up with friends, do some of the outdoor activities that we've gone without. You can play basketball, golf, tennis, cricket, and other outdoor recreation activities together. So this is this is good news for tennis. Yeah, this is great news for tennis, Brett. Uh, it's something we've been working with for government for some time and advocating specifically around tennis being classified as a recreational activity. Um, for, a, for a period of time, we've been packaged up with community sport and we know as a sport that we can, we can provide COVID-safe environments, that we can physically distance. Um, and importantly, I think for us as well, is also not only for our players and clubs to open up, but importantly for our tennis coaches, that this is their livelihoods and businesses. And it's great that they'll be back on court come Sunday if we hit that 80% of, of first dose um, as, as forecasted by the state government. No doubt. Adam, you have lobbied uh, pretty hard, along with TCAV, who look after the coaches and really are a strong advocate for the coaches. So it's about clubs about coaches, uh, certainly been able to get out and what they do. You've worked hand-in-hand hand with governments. So this has been not just in the last couple of weeks, this has been for quite some time to really sell the what we think is a fairly obvious message that tennis should be included as outdoor activity. The social distancing, the best social distancing of any sport, it just makes logical sense. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think... What, what has been telling through um, the last six months has been our partnership with, with Tennis Coaches Australia Victoria and, and um, to represent all coaches, but also Tennis Australia collectively as well. And I think that alignment with all of us working together and consistency around our message and conversation with government, um, we've knocked on the door for long enough. And fortunately, that, that door's really open for us um, come this Sunday. And, and I, think, I think what it's going to mean for our 800 community clubs across the state as well, Brett, regional Victoria has, has opened up a week ago, but particularly for metropolitan Melbourne, where we've seen significant delays in, in opening and impact. What we hope and anticipate yep. is that there'll be a real demand for tennis, knowing that a number of other sports won't be able to open up in the weekend on the weekend like we can. No doubt. Adam, and for tennis coaches, and I had a discussion with about 30 seconds here, but tennis coaches to be classified as physical trainers, so essential recreation exercise and god forbid if we ever go into this lockdown although the premier said yesterday we're not going back there but in future for this not to be a topic of debate that uh, they are classified as physical trainers yeah it's something we've worked really closely with government with to ensure that tennis coaches are classified as personal trainers and um and and we've we've had that level of commitment from government which is which is quite pleasing so Look, it's um, it's something really important for the well-being of our coaches, knowing that this is their livelihood, and um, and they're so important to, to drive participation in our sport at a community level. Great news, Adam. I walk past so many great tennis clubs every day. It's going to be good to see them open. People having a hit, social distancing, doing the right thing. Let's get you in the studio in the coming weeks. We'll have a longer chat. Really appreciate your time. 
That'd be great. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate Adam, time. Adam Cremieri joining us, of course, the Tennis Victoria acting CEO. Thefirstserve.com.au, that's where you need to head each and every day, covering all the action on the court and the stories around it from our feature writers right across social media, covering the Aussies, covering the internationals, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's daily content going up. All thanks to ASTE Tennis Courts, trusted by Melbourne Tennis Clubs and Councils. You can check out aste.com.au, Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist. Walshy, John Millman, Adam Cremieri joining us tonight. Check out the podcast if you missed us live. We'll do it again next Monday. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.